Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. The topics and opinions expressed in the following show are solely those of the hosts and their guests and not those of W4CY Radio, its employees, or affiliates. We make no recommendations or endorsements for radio show programs, services, or products mentioned on air or on our web. No liability, explicit or implied, shall be extended to W4CY Radio or its employees or affiliates. Any questions or comments should be directed to those show hosts. Thank you for choosing W4CY Radio. Hello, everyone. Good evening. This is Susan Dentino right here on W4CY Radio, and welcome to the Night Shift. This has been quite a week, hasn't it? So many changes have gone on, and I want to take a moment to reflect on the loss of Prince, the wonderful artist who passed away. Uh, probably it's been almost a week now. So I just want to, as always on the show, mention that and how many people that he touched. And it's so interesting to me that when we lose somebody like that, how personal we take it, how it's like losing a family member or losing a friend. And I recently downloaded his music because I hadn't listened to it in quite a while. You know, you have the old-fashioned CD and then never transfer them over. So I just downloaded the very best of Prince and was doing my morning walk to it yesterday. And boy, his lyrics were very poignant and so many references in many of his songs to death and to dying and I often wonder with these artists who we lose too early if they don't have some kind of a premonition that this is going to happen so we want to hold his family and his friends and our thoughts and in our prayers this evening and certainly sending them all the big etheric hugs hugs that we can do across the radio waves. So I just wanted to begin the show with that. And if you haven't listened to Prince in a while and it interests you, I'll tell you the very best of Prince is really a great download over at iTunes and it's really a nice cross section of his music. I was reading some reviews about the album and they said that if you really wanted to hear some of the things that he's done more recently that he shifted, that wouldn't be your best choice. But for those of you that are so familiar with Purple Rain and Little Red Corvette, and all those wonderful songs. It's it's really great, and it's great to work out to. I have to say, even today I was working out in the gym, and it was just some great background music. So just wanted to share all of that with you today. I just got the Facebook chat room open. I was having a little bit of trouble with that, and wow, Mercury isn't going into retrograde until the 28th. So this must be some of that shadow that they were talking about that we were going to be feeling even prior 
to Mercury going retrograde. And if you missed that topic last week, I'm proud to say that my show is up and airing on iHeartRadio. So you can just check it out and listen. We talked about what was going on and really did an interesting show about toxic people and how to protect yourself from toxic people. So all my shows are up. You just go to the, I always have it posted in my Facebook group and in Facebook, I make sure the links are up. And all you have to do if you don't have access to that is just go to iHeartRadio and podcasts and just put in the night shift with Susan Dentino and all my shows will come up. So it's a great way to re-listen and just kind of get yourself acclimated to what we talked about during the show. So the group is up and I keep an eye on it. I'm uh, going to just pull that up myself so I can say hello to the people that are joining us. If you're new to my show, welcome. And I know W4CY has a chat room. I have developed this chat room on Facebook mainly because in my last radio show it was the one that I was the most familiar with. So those of you that might be in the um the regular chat room for W4CY. Rebel, my wonderful producer, keeps an eye on it. And if you've got questions, comments, she'll make sure that I see them. And I also invite you to join me over in the Facebook room. If you haven't been here, it's it's a lot of fun, great energy. I keep an eye on who's looking to join because it is a private group. I do some mini readings during the, during the show. So I don't want those going in getting posted across the Facebook universe. So it's a safe community. So I keep an eye open during the show to make sure there is a graphic pinned to the top. So any comments, anything that you might have, you just pin and post right underneath the the big graphic. And I'm just making sure that that's pinned to the top now. Okay, so we're good to go. It couldn't be any more obvious. It says live now on air chat here. So you know exactly where to point and to post. So here we go. Um, because I didn't get a chance and I'll try and do it uh, as we get into the show, but I did pull a card this evening like I always do. And I just felt like it was just a time really because we are thinking of somebody passing. I was very drawn to go to the flower therapy cards, which are by Robert Reeves. I am so excited because we are going to be having him as a guest on the show. And I'll make sure that you get plenty of advanced notice about that. But what's so wonderful about Robert in this um this deck of all different beautiful flower images is if you're somebody that maybe doesn't relate so much to the angelic realm or fairies or the tarot, all these different ways that we can use oracle cards, this is a great deck because what it is is just beautiful flower images. And when I pull these cards, I do it to just kind of give a little weekly reading for all of you out there that are listening. And the card that I pulled this evening was just so appropriate. And as I said, I'm hoping to get it posted in the chat room so you can see it. But what it is, is it's the beautiful red rose. And I thought, wow, if that is not perfect for this evening, the red rose symbolizes love, which I am sure all of you out there know. But what's really interesting, I think that it came through today because it's talking so much about us opening our heart chakra. Now, for those of you that might not be familiar with the chakra system, when we talk about that. It's these energy swirls that are vortexes that are inside our physical body. So it's not something that a 
regular doctors going to look at and, you know, start telling you what your chakras look like. But if you go to an energy healer or when you go to some of these new age, um, like a new age festival or any type of a new age store that might have a, a Krillian camera, you can actually get pictures of your auric field and of your chakra system. So the red rose has come in and it's a beautiful flower, not only for just reminding us the importance of love, but it's also about healing. So for those of you that might really be feeling this loss, and we have just lost so many amazing musicians, they're suffering from this in any way, just know that this card, this red rose has come out to just say to you that it's really going to be okay, that you're being recognized for the being of love that you are and any blocks or any unforgiveness that maybe you've been holding on to, it's really time to let that go. And what's interesting about a rose is that different color roses have different meanings. So when we look at the red rose, it's very reminiscent about love, very reminiscent about forgiveness, about healing. White roses, if that's something you're more drawn to, is a great clearing flower. So like if, say you're buying a new house and you want to clear the house and maybe you don't want to get into sage smudging or anything like that, you can actually take white rose and walk through the room, setting the intention that the energy is clear. You can even use Use the cards in Robert's deck if you don't want to physically go out and get flowers. But I personally feel that having flowers in your home is such an important healing tool. It's so good for you to have fresh flowers. My absolute favorite is the lily, the um, stargazer lily, which has that wonderful aroma. They can be a little bit messy, but I so love them. And I have them in my house every week. And just it just fills the whole area with this wonderful smell. I know it might not be for everybody, but it's just something that I really enjoy. So I leave that with you. As I said, I hope to get that card up. And I am not going to talk anymore because I know I tend to get carried away. And we have got a fascinating guest with us this evening. Joan Gracie is the president of APA Solutions, and she is going to be telling us all about what she has discovered that's going on right now in the professional world, primarily with job hunting, career reform. She's actually coined the face phrase career reformist and she just has so much information i'm sure we're not going to get to everything this evening so i am not going to talk anymore i am going to bring her on and let us let her tell us a little bit about yourself hi joan welcome oh thank you so much susan i'm excited to be here this evening so joan when we talk about career reformist exactly what does that mean i i it Kind of, if, if you'd allow me to go back to my history with, with APA Solutions, because that's really how career reform was born. APA Solutions was a traditional employment agency actually back in the 60s, if you can imagine. So we're actually going on our 50-year, 50 50-plus-year 50 anniversary, which in this new normal economy is is pretty amazing, if I do say so myself. 
So it was very traditional in scope and landscape as a represented job seekers in in their quest to find positions with growth-oriented companies, primarily throughout New York State. And the growth-oriented companies that existed in the 60s was very, very different than clearly the growth-oriented companies that exist today. And about 15 years ago, I felt strongly that there had to be a lifeline for the job-seeking population. The middle class is making less money than they did in actually 1989. And a lot of what's happened in this new normal economy has been incredibly confusing for the employment population. So I created Career Reform as a separate entity, a safe place for not only the job seeker, but current employees to go, leaders to go, managers to go, anybody who's interested in enhancing their professional brand, we provide a a variety of tools for. And I use the word career reform because it is very important that we start to view our future from a different space and place. You know, no longer are our bosses like our parents. It's very, very much you build it and they will come. So giving individuals the knowledge of self-empowerment and how important it is to devise a career strategy. So I think many of my listeners would definitely tie this into life purpose. And I know what we're going to be talking about, women apologizing, and all of this might seem like strange bedfellows, but I think it's so indicative of the atmosphere of everything when you're looking for a job, how a woman approaches an interview. So I think your points are very well taken. So just uh, wanted to give you an opportunity to speak to that. You know, and again, Susan, what started as this traditional employment agency has now morphed into a complete human capital initiative, whereas we help growth companies identify, recruit, retain and develop their people as it relates to their business strategy. You know, everybody boasts the motivational posters of how important their employees are to their to their particular workplace. But very few companies beyond the motivational posters live it. So what I've what I've done is actually created a think tank that resides right at our corporate offices in Buffalo, New York. And what we've done is we've studied the habits of the job-seeking population and the employer population. And we've done this through a variety of focus groups over the last decade. And what we found is there is a huge disconnect between what an employer is thinking and feeling and what the job seeker or, again, an employee is thinking and feeling. And that definitely goes back to your life purpose comment. There are a bunch of new requirements that employers are, are wanting and demanding and thinking and feeling, yet it's, it's being very loosely communicated to the employee population. So 
I've gone on a quest to better understand the source of that disconnect. And that's led me, as strange as it may seem, to the brain, you know, that three-pound command center, if you will, in better understanding, you know, how we work neurologically, why we work neurologically, why do women think differently than men, and and better understanding that has really afforded me the opportunity to guide people more towards their life's purpose. No two brains are alike. So when we're delivering information, it doesn't mean that the person that you're delivering it to can appropriately understand it in the way that you've communicated it. Right. So when you like when you have so many people that come into your office looking for employment, how do you treat or do you treat a male that comes in differently than a female that comes in talking about the way they're I'm sure you see the difference in the way their brains work. How do you approach that? And, and you're exactly right, because what we know about the brain is not only are two brains not alike, but we also know that the female brain is actually different than the male brain. And I'm sure any of our female listeners will not find it surprising to know that the men only listen on their left hemisphere. Yet the women. (laughs) Yeah, that's a shock. (laughs) I know. So the women listen on both their right and left hemisphere, which is why, honestly, we're bigger communicators than men are. So, you know, neurologically, we're absolutely different. And and it explains so much. And again, because I have this knowledge, and most of the men that I that I coach through my, my leadership program, our men, understanding how they think has been monumental in helping them get from point A to point B, because, you know, you can spew a bunch of motivational rhetoric, but if you're really looking to help an organization grow in a way that's going to create lasting change, it's pivotal to communicate with the, the sexes differently and to understand what they interpret, how they interpret it when they can interpret it. There's so many different things that come into play neurologically, but no, you you are absolutely right. And again, I think from an employee standpoint, this downsized economy, I mean, you know, I was taught from a very, very young age by a father who worked incredibly hard that you went in, you did a great job at work and you stayed employed. Well, that's just not true anymore. So everything that fundamentally we were taught to believe and we've stored in this three-pound muscle is, is now affecting not only great people that are losing positions still to this day, but it's affecting the way their children view their career. It it's, it's, has this effect that is, that is far-reaching. And, you know, based on the emotional state that people find themselves in, when that happens, they're not making the type of good decisions that kind of help them get out of that conundrum, if you will. Right. And I just want to address a couple questions in the chat room that came in at the beginning of the show. Uh, My show on negative people and things like that was last week. So I'd love to hear comments and questions addressed to our topic this evening. I will tell you that I am doing a class 
on this subject, a teleclass, so all of you can take part in it. If you want to know more about clearing the negative people in your life, about protecting yourself, cutting cords, that's on May 11th from 7 to 8.30, and that's Eastern Time. So that's all about being in the comfort of your own home. So it's not that I'm ignoring your questions, and I certainly appreciate your comments, but let's um, see if we have anything for Joan uh, talking about this very important topic. I think especially as this election is coming up and there's so many different questions and comments, the the possibility that we might be having our first woman president and just really addressing because the economy and jobs are, are such a big part of what everybody's talking about. So when we tie this into life purpose, and when I define life purpose, what I define it is, is finding something to do with your life that causes you to jump out of bed every morning and be happy to go to work. And I know it's interesting that you mentioned how your father was. And I think in that generation, it was you worked and you played. There was no mixing of the two. It was, you know, you went to work and you lived for your weekends, you lived for your vacation, where now we really realize that when work is such a huge part of your life, that you should enjoy what you're doing, that it shouldn't be this, you know, off and on type of thing. So when somebody comes in and, and talking more from a career reform. And again, this whole topic that you were addressing before about women apologizing, I know that you wrote a blog on it that was very interesting. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Well, basically, you know, because I've gone on this this quest to better understand how people think, why they think, what they think, I'm, I, I just tend to notice things that, you know, I've, I've never noticed before. I mean, you, once you get to be a data geek, I'm, a, I'm afraid it's just something that you can't get out of. You can't take that suit off, if you will. And as a person who owns both a company that helps growth organizations find people and a career counseling company, there are many instances where those two marry. And in this particular case, what happened is I had three executive level positions that I was working on for APA Solutions, which then opened up the door for career reformists to come in who were interested in enhancing their background. The positions that I were filling were primarily female oriented, just based on the nature of the role, VP of human resources, etc. And what I started to notice from the onset was as these wonderful women were coming in, they were apologizing to me for coming in. They were apologizing to me for taking my time. They were apologizing to me for everything. And I thought, well, you know, this is one person, but, you know, just I got a little pad with a little scratch pit. And all of a sudden I started to notice that every single woman in some way, shape or form apologized from August of last year till January of this year, when I just got so frustrated, my head was ready to blow off. <laughs> I just gave up give, doing this, right? And so I did some research on it. I was like, what is this? I mean, again, neurologically, I get that we're different. But it's interesting in that women apologize as a matter of manners. They don't necessarily mean it. And when I started to collect data on men and kind of looked at the way they apologize, although less frequently, 
it had more meaning to it. When they say they're sorry, they tend to more mean it. Versus when we say we're sorry, it's just a matter of being courteous. But I wondered how this courteous behavior affected our personal relationships. How did it reflect our professional relationships? Because, Susan, what, what I'm seeing is that, and the research supports it, more than 65% of divorces occur in women when they're over 50. But yet when you look at their brain, it's postmenopausal. So they don't have as many things going on to mess with their head, if you will, and they're freer. And they're making decisions based on more freedom. Chemically, they have more freedom. So what my goal is, is by sharing this information, does it stop somebody in their 30s? to be more self-aware of what it is that they're feeling because maybe they're feeling something that chemically is there, but in reality isn't. Why are we taking less money? You know, why are we passing over on promotions? You know, how do we view our children? I mean, there's just so many different dynamics. I shared with you a symptom, but what I'm talking about now is more the cause. Why do we act in this manner? What does it mean? And this symptom of a bigger cause, is it stopping people who could live their passion now from living their passion now? Well, you know, it's interesting because we have a question in the chat room that really speaks very much to what we're talking to. And what the listeners asked is, why do we get to that just give up point in our lives and what can we do to fix it? And I know that you've talked to me about how people will come in and like you said, either we're downsized or for whatever reason we're unemployed, when you get a person that's really at that point where they're just saying, what's the use? How do you coach them into really being able to put on a stellar performance in something like a job interview? I think, again, what happens is when when you look at the emotion, because what you just shared with me is an emotional response. And if you can successfully take somebody out of emotion, because the tough thing about emotion is, and this is what we've learned, you're not cognitive. You're really not thinking anymore. So if you can take somebody out of emotion, deal with their feelings, respect their feelings, it's scary to be unemployed. It's scary to be unhappy. All of those things are very, very emotional. But if we can separate the emotion from the reality and really give them a framework by which to follow. And I have a mechanism to do that. I have both an online career course and one we do in person based on the geography and you know preference of the participant. And you, you say, you know what, you're not alone and this is normal. And all those inclusion things that tend to make people feel more comfortable. I mean, our success has been, no pun intended, mind-boggling. But, (laughs) (laughs) you know, we've been there and we've researched it. And when you can say to somebody, I get what you think, but you know what we're going to do? We're going to change the way you think. And we're going to change the way you think into more an empowering way. And better understanding, again, how the brain works, it just allows us to do that. I don't, I mean, my peers in, I'm certified in brain-based coaching, my peers are primarily psychiatrists who literally have gone 
back and worked under the same neuroscientists that I'm working under because they're trying to bridge, you know, the reality of how the brain works with psychology, which tends to be more theory, if you will. And they're seeing huge, huge, you know, leaps with their patients that they didn't see just having somebody talk things out. They're doing it more from now a neuro leadership standpoint versus a psychological standpoint. They're marrying those two together. So basically to answer the listener's question, what do we do to fix it? What you're saying is that you start to shift the way you think. And I think this is where we're beginning to see a marriage between the metaphysical and the whole idea of what you're talking about, these investigations and studies into the brain and the way they work. And so many people like Deepak Chopra has been talking about this. Wayne Dyer, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change, the control that we have and the perception that we have. So when we're talking about fixing it, if I I'm understanding you correctly. You take, you know, you get to a point where you remove the emotion so it's not such a knee-jerk response to these things and be a little bit more intellectual in the way that you approach it. Would that be a fair way to say yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. And again, you know, let's face it. If, if you know somebody who's sick, they've had a heart attack and you think, oh my goodness, this person, you know, they worked out, they ate well. Why did they have a heart attack, Right. I think that if, if, if everybody can walk away and understand, hey, look at this is the way my brain works, and it's a collection of my experiences. It's my intellect. It's my behaviors. It's my motivators. It's my emotional intelligence. It's a collection of all of these things, and, and it's mine. And could, could I change my thoughts to be more powerful or to be more positive? Absolutely. But it takes work. And again, it's not going to happen through a best-selling novel all the time. It's, it's understanding that a new habit takes 22 straight days to create. Do, do your thoughts ever disappear? No, you can't wipe that hard drive. You can move it. You can move it to your brain where it's you know less active. And these new thoughts can take place. But if you can understand why any self-help program is 11 steps or 20 steps or 30 steps, it's because the brain's ability to only take bite-sized pieces and be able to change in that way. And I think in so many instances, we, we have these overreaching goals that, that we want to attain. And as women... You know, it's never good enough. We want to be mom. We want to be mompreneur. You know, we've got all these things that are going on in our head versus saying, you know, this is how I want to be celebrating my Christmas in 2016. And what can I do this month to get me one month closer to that goal? And then in in June and in July and taking those bite-sized pieces to metamorphose into whatever behavior supports your passion. See, we we get stuck in this place and we're like, well, I don't understand. Why am I still talking about this? Why am I still doing this? Because what you've done is you've established a behavior that you're comfortable in. And even though it doesn't get you the outcome you desire or, or want for a healthier you, you're stuck in this behavior. But Susan, I'm sure you've tried to change a behavior it ain't easy. So it's a lot of work and you have to understand the people around you, the people who love you, they don't want you to change your behavior, especially if it works for them. They love that behavior. 
And again, women tend to do that more. They tend to accommodate, they tend to adjust, and it's at the price of them. And when you look at female suicide, the rate of female suicide, that's at record proportion. I don't know if you've been monitoring those numbers at all, Susan, but there's a lot of depression in, in females. And I think, again, it's a lot of, you know, what we're, we're taking is our fundamental belief. And then we're just adding all this additional baggage on it versus saying, you know what, we have, we have rights and we step by step can move towards a, a happiness level, recognizing that it's not easy. Like any self-development, it's not easy. Well, I think it's interesting getting uh, into a little bit of current events. Uh, this whole thing that went on with Kelly Ripa and mm-hmm. the fact that that gentleman was leaving the show and I was working out. So I wasn't able to listen to the conversation that was going on. It was on one of the news stations. I could just see. But it was so much right away trying to twist her into being a diva. Everything right. was, you know, being pointed against her. When in reality, these were two people that had worked together and she found out like on I think it was on TV I don't think she was ever officially told I'm not sure exactly I think it was like five minutes before he announced it right right and and she was and that was it and it was I just saw you know that uh, she went on the show back today and just said well now you know the country can relax because you know but it was so but I think this was so indicative of the way women are treated across the board. I mean, this is a woman that has been on the show successfully for years. This Michael was relatively new, and I don't think there was anything wrong from what I understood, from what I read about this, was it wasn't even really his choice. They're really trying to amp up the Good Morning America popularity, and they felt he was integral in this. Right. So he kind of got, you know, put in a position. But look at the way they treated her. And mm-hmm. I think this, it, it just speaks so much to what you're saying. And one of the things, one of the listeners um, has asked us, how do you get out of our your own head and clear your mind? Well, when you were talking about the 21 to 22 days to change a habit, one of the good things, Deepak Chopra and Oprah Winfrey, who's my BFF in dream time. One of these days I'm going to meet her. I'm I'm with her all the time in my dreams. So one of these times. But anyways, they have a 21 to 22 day meditation challenge, which they run every once in a while. They just got done doing one and they're free. So when we talk about getting out of our own head and clearing our minds, I am just such a huge proponent of meditation. And there are so many different ways that you can approach it. And it's just like when you're talking about this I'm sorry thing, I have a 15-year-old granddaughter, and she's really gotten much better about doing this, but she went through a time that she was apologizing for everything, and her mom really isn't like that. So I was kind of wondering what this was that she felt, beautiful girl, but, you know, at the least provocation, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, for things Mm -hmm. that were just certainly nothing to apologize for. It was just more something that seemed to be a part of her makeup. So I think so much of this happens just from how we believe we have to be as women, the people pleasing. And again, talking 
talking about getting out of your own head. I have so many people that come to me to talk about meditation. And, and the first thing they tell me is they don't have the time. And I always right. say, well, you don't have the time not to do this. But right. again, it's it's keeping us, you know, the next question. How? So we're stressing ourselves out. Yes. Right. You know, because we're trying to be all things to all people. I mean, it's just, especially women, they're trying to be the best wife. Now they're expected to have a career, you know, mm-hmm. running Huffington Post. She's a wonderful example of somebody that totally burned herself out and wrote a great book about it. And her name will come to me in a minute with the title of the book. But I mean, this was a woman. I mean, she had everything. And she literally burned out to the point of having a breakdown. I know her first name's Ariana or Ar- you know Ariana Huffington. About. Yes. And again, yeah, there Susan, you what, go. yeah. And see what you're talking about is the researchers at Columbia and it was a woman absolutely who, who uncovered this. They, she's identified 150 unconscious biases that we all have. 150 that she's been able to name. So an unconscious bias means that we're clearly unconscious of it. So again, if a man shares information with us like, oh, is dinner late? We could interpret that in a way that maybe he didn't even mean to communicate it. But in our mind, we could be thinking, oh, my goodness, you know, I, you know, it shouldn't have been late. And we start playing like all these mind games because, again, we've started to create what we consider this this perfect being, if you will. And emotional intelligence is that ability to self-regulate. So self-regulating is not only your ability to be emotional intelligent with your own emotions, but to look at somebody else and say, I'm not going to react. And I work with men a ton. And so I, I stay very, very even keel, but I've done it through self-regulation. You prescribe to meditation. What, what I do is I kind of take that step back, take a deep breath, and I interpret the information as objectively as I can. But again, it's intentional. So, you know, are we reacting to the people around us when it's really we take their emotion, put it in our bag, and then we deal with it? When the truth of the matter is we take on the emotions of our kids, we take on the emotions of our boss, our significant other, all of those things, when you cannot change that person's emotion, but you can most certainly change your reaction to it. And is that healthier? And what I find in the studies that I've done and I've been fortunate enough to, to compare it to the studies that have been done at Emory University because they're doing a lot of work in the space. And the data clearly shows people that are emotionally intelligent. It's a bigger predictor of happiness and success than intellect is. Yeah. And see, it's so interesting because, again, and I know we've got the W4CY chat room going and very involved as well. And I can't really navigate both those pages. So Rebel, my producer, thank you so much, is posting the questions in the Facebook chat room. But it's exactly what these people are saying. You know, why do we do that to ourselves? We have to constantly be saying we're sorry and we get so caught up in taking care of everyone else. We neglect ourselves 
themselves. And breaking this process again, I think it has so much to do with as children watching our own mothers and how our mothers behaved, our relationships with our father. And that is so pinnacle and how we feel about ourselves as women. So whenever I have somebody that comes, it's interesting because I do readings, intuitive readings as well. And I did a reading for a woman yesterday and she was just totally burned out. And again, trying to be all things to all people. And it's just really one of these things that you have to take a step back and say that you are worthy of putting yourself first and get away from all of the negative connotations that that's being selfish. And, you know, to me, if you don't learn to replenish what you're giving, you'll run out of things to give. So it's just this whole cycle. And whether you approach it from a physical standpoint regarding the brain or in an emotional standpoint, it's all about changing those core beliefs. And I really believe it's a great idea to think about what that relationship was like with your father and what that relationship was like with your mother. And do it more as an observer than a judger. And what I mean by that is don't judge the process. Instead, just And think about what you've taken away from this relationship that they had and the beliefs that serve you and the beliefs that don't. And then you get into this 20-day process, 22-day process of starting to change those limiting beliefs that you can't do anything for yourself without feeling guilty. That was, again, part of this reading I did yesterday that this woman was, I said, you know, you really need some alone time. You need to do this. She says, it doesn't help. It only makes me feel worse. And I said, I bet it makes you feel worse because you feel guilty. And that was exactly what happened. You know, that's exactly what was going on. Yeah. And see, Susan, you're using the words like feeling and guilt and all of those things that, again, are emotionally based. And what we know about, again, emotions, you know, kind of think of fight or flight. If you've ever had, you know, a fight or flight incident or you've had an anxiety attack or whatever, you know, why can't you think? I mean, you just you run, you have to get away, you sweat. It's your body's reaction to try to keep you safe in some way, shape or form. But the truth of the matter is then what we know about that is your cognitivity goes dark. So if you're not cognitive, that means you're not processing. So if you're in an emotional state, well, guess what? You don't have the ability to think things through to the to the fullest level of your capability. And I think, again, you know, and I, and I don't know the data on this. So, you know, I, I just say this as a matter of, you know, conjecture at this point, you know, how many women are, are, are running all the time more on emotions than they are on cognitivity. And again, there's a price you pay for always being emotional. It's not as healthy. People aren't as happy. It could lead to, you know, anxiety. It can lead to depression. It can lead to physical attributes. So again, you know, getting yourself away from that and, and trying to keep yourself in more of that that cognitive place. So understanding that when your child does something that's 16 years old, well, guess what? His brain isn't even developed yet. So you could be having an emotional or a logical conversation with that kid. And I got news to you. He just doesn't get it. All right. I mean, <laughs> yeah. He physically doesn't get it, you know. Yeah. And yet you're talking to him like he does because you do. And again, the, the conversations that you have with your husband and you're, you're wondering why he doesn't get it. Well, again, his brain isn't the same as your brain. So there isn't going to be, you know, the, the same type of thought process or reactions. And, 
I've just found somebody who is incredibly spiritual and loves the work you do, Susan. But I found that understanding more the science behind it has made people more accepting because they're like, okay, I get it. I'm built this way. Well, how would you fix your heart? Or how would you fix something if you wanted to have a six pack or working out your arms? What you have to do, Susan, is you have to work out your three pound muscle, just like any other workout. And it can be done. And what I can say to you is I have never worked with a person, whether it be through one of my businesses or career coaching, that said to me, boy, I wish I didn't work out that muscle. Right. It's been life changing. (laughs) And I think you raise a very valid point. I think that's one of the things that's an issue with the metaphysical world is it does have a reputation for woo woo. And I think, as I said in a a little earlier, is that I think this whole cognitive studies that you're speaking of is giving more legitimate, really legitimate approval Mm -hmm. to the metaphysical world because it's, again, merging these two. Now, when you say being Cognitive. What what I think of is staying in the moment as much as possible. Would that be an accurate description of the way you would define cognitive, or how would you define that? Yeah. It, see again from a from a you know just in a real from a brain stability standpoint, the whole creation of the brain. You know, we can take it back to the whole caveman day, right? When we look at the brain, there's three times more real estate in threat than there is in reward. Because in the caveman day, there was a lot more threat, right? There was a lot more going on. You know, it could have been bam, bam. It could have been a saber-toothed tiger. There's a lot of scary stuff. So the brain was always looking for threat. Well, now fast forward to 2016. And guess what? There's a lot of complex information that's being thrown at us. But our brain hasn't changed that much. So based on that, the more that you can literally think, I'm sure you've said this, Susan, because I've said this to my husband, I can't think. I literally can't process this because you're, you're making me so emotional. I can't get through literally a string of thoughts that gets to us to a good conclusion. That's what I mean by staying cognitive that ability to think clearly. If you've had a sick family member and you've been in a doctor's office, you watch yourself leave the building because emotion starts to take over because the brain is looking to protect you. Again, you want to be able to think. And in so many instances that as women, again, I just think, and definitely because of our hormones and all these other things, it just naturally makes us more emotional. So I think as, as we better understand that and know that, for me, it's just been such a lifesaver to understand, you know, when you're pregnant, the brain actually shrinks. Your brain does not come back to its normal size until six months after you've had your baby. That would explain a lot. You're not kidding. Now, what does that, that say about postpartum depression? Right, <laughs> you know? exactly. That, that definitely, yeah, that would explain a lot. Well, I want to make sure that you have a... Uh, you have an opportunity because, believe it or not, we've only got five more minutes to the show. I just want to make sure you have an opportunity to talk a little bit about this online course that you offer, how people can access it. I did post in the chat room, but why don't you go through your 1-800 number and uh, your website and how people can get in touch with you if they're looking for employment or a way to shift their careers, how they can... 
Um, yes. Oh, it's, it's uh, well, as a matter of fact, one of our uh, listeners just asked if you if um, our guest has a book out. So why don't you I tell do. them about that? I do. I do. As a matter of fact, I've, I've sold out all my copies. It's called No More Bad Advice. And it basically is, you know, kind of throwing on its ear all the advice that you're given by your supposed career counselors, a.k.a. your parents, and how that couldn't be the worst advice known to man. God knows they love you, but the world is changing way too quickly. My, my businesses are apasolutions.com. Uh, so that's the, the career or the business portal, career reform, and it's the two hours touching each other.com. You can contact me through that. You know, uh, Joan Gracie, I have a Twitter account. I have a LinkedIn account. I have a Facebook account. So certainly GRACI, anybody can connect with me, connect with me on LinkedIn or Twitter or whatever the case may be. You know, I'd be happy to engage in that way. And again, you know, somebody said, you know, how do I control your emotions, Susan? I'm going to go back to what you said about that, that whole ability to meditate and, and really self-regulate and get to that quiet place and space, don't give up. Take a walk in the woods. Do whatever you can to get you to that place. And don't necessarily look for that support system. You know, maybe your husband doesn't understand or your family doesn't understand. It's self-preservation mode at this point. And if we're going to live and be to our fullest potential, I mean, it, it, it just really requires that we start thinking, truly, truly thinking differently than we did in the caveman day. And I think there's just way too many women that are still kind of caught in that place in space. And, um, oh my goodness, you can get out of it. You can absolutely get out of it. So right. love to I, hear from anybody. Right. And what I would say getting out of it is, can be as simple as going outside and taking a nice deep breath. I yep. know there's a new little, um, I, I don't know what the name of it. I've seen it a few times on um, Facebook, advertised, where they now have this little, I just worry about being that plugged in, but it's like a small little uh, pin you can wear that actually on your phone will warn you when you're going into stress and then provide you with some tools. And I think that's so much what we're talking about, but I can't believe how fast this time has gone by. Thank you so much for joining me this evening. Aww. I really would love to have you back. I hope we can get you back on relatively soon. Oh, thank you so much, Susan. It's been a true joy. Thank you. Okay, I just want to tell everybody, next Sunday, if you can believe this, not this Sunday, but next Sunday is Mother's Day, and I am going to be having a very interesting guest who's going to do some mediumship. So for those of you that might have some questions about getting in touch with your moms that have crossed over, what is it all about? Is it something, again, that you believe? Is it something that you think doesn't exist. That's what we're going to talk about. And Laureen Baracco, she is the owner of the Mystical Moon, two stores out here in the Fort Myers area. She has a store there and also in Bonita Springs. So it's really going to be fascinating. Every time we do this mediumship show close to Mother's Day, it's uh, it's a lot of tears and smiles. And I invite you to join me next week. So for those of you, I hope we got to all your questions. If we didn't, I apologize. 
apologize. I want to give a very special thank you to Joan Gracie. The name of her book is No More Bad Advice, and her business is APA Solutions, and she travels. She She's open to anything. That I can tell you. So visit her website, apasolutions.com, and just remember, until next week, that life is a journey. Enjoy the ride. Are you looking for a show that has stimulating topics, fascinating guests, psychic readings, and just plain fun? Well, look no further. This is Susan Dentino, and I invite you to join me and tune into the Night Shift, beginning March 1st and broadcasting every Tuesday at 7 p.m. The perfect way to end your day, the Night Shift. Talk to me.